project management and agile development. Yeah. So let's let's limit the talk the conversation to agile yeah. project management yeah, exactly. at this point. Because is, that's something we have anything to say about being developers right. sadly. Um, you know there's two two distinct um, schools of thought on this. And yeah. one is that and, and it's very valid, I think, and I'm not going to argue this one because I don't completely believe it, but I think it's worth representing, which is that don't do it if you're not going to do it right. Um, read the books, know the material, don't try to start doing agile development, uh, agile project management or, or scrum-based uh, project management without bringing in a coach who, or a guru who can walk you through it and make sure that you're doing it uh, right every step of the way, because the argument goes, if you, you do some part of it wrong, or you leave out some critical part of it, and your team has a bad experience, then you're going to have the wrong impression, you, you could, could develop bad habits, and, and you might go back to doing things the old way, yeah. and not realizing the true benefits. Yeah. But our point of view is... Just start doing it. I mean, what wait for? Of course, it's not just like reading about Agile in an in-flight magazine, and then going to the, uh, to the team like the pointy-haired boss and saying, you know what, we are doing Agile from today and that was your training, go away. Uh, I think you have to read books. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe devote some time to watching online materials. There's lots of interesting lectures on Scrum, uh, including Ken Schwabers and Jeff Sutherland's. Yes, uh, from, uh, you can see them at uh, YouTube uh, in the Google uh, Tech Talks series. So that's a few hours well invested. And then you have to read a few books. Certainly, but you don't have to have a guru or a coach come down uh, on you and enlighten you with the wisdom to start practicing Scrum uh, or Agile in general. In fact, none of us did. We got trained and everything only after practicing, uh, practicing it for some time. And Indeed. I think that's the best way to start. And, and no matter how well you do it to start, there's always a lot of room for improvement. Uh, we've been doing, we've been using Agile practices here for ever since 2005, and we're still improving on our techniques with every single sprint retrospective. Yeah. We're realizing something that we could be doing a little bit better. And so, and also, usually people aren't thinking about changing their project management practices unless they have some dissatisfaction with their current project yeah. management. If everything is going fine, if you're doing a big waterfall project with, with huge piles of documentation and and everything is going fantastic, and you're meeting your deadlines, and you're hitting your budgets, and your client is delighted, don't change anything. But, do, but do, if you're not... Do, do you know such a project? I oh, haven't seen one myself. Yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen myself either, but... But, but indeed, I always caution that it's jumping on there a may, There might be somewhere <laughs> out there a waterfall project that actually works. It, it's possible. It could happen. It could happen, yeah. Um, but, but if you're on a project that's that's not running well, the clients aren't happy, you're not meeting deadlines, you're not hitting budgets, functionality is not getting delivered, um, your, the, the, test, the quality of, of the product is not what it ought to be, then if you even implement some of the most basic elements of agile development practices, um, time-boxed iterations, talking to the customer, frequent releases, mm -hmm. all that, you, you will be much better off than not doing it at all and just maybe reading or waiting for the guru to come in. But there is one more point, we do trainings and sometimes people ask, should I come to the training to start doing Agile? And even though it kind of theoretically uh, made my sale uh, harder, I tell them start doing it first and then come to trainings because then you will ask much better questions, you will mm -hmm. 
learn much more on a training or learn much more from having a coach or a guru come to you and talk to you, having some experience, some initial experience with doing uh, Agile, do a few iterations. Yes, you might do some things wrong, but most of the things you will do are quite well. And then you will benefit much more from a training or, or going to a conference or meet, in, in short, meeting a guru. Because that really helps. It helped us. Uh, I don't know about you, but it helped us. And there is some value in trainings and all that stuff. But still, start doing it before, uh, before going there. Uh, so what's the bare minimum? More. The bare minimum, if you're on a, a waterfall project that's just a nightmare, or if you've just been recruited to take over a project because it's not going well, what's the first things that you should do? I think the first thing to introduce would be iterations and, and, and a backlog. Right. Make a promise. Make a promise delivery date and meet that promise. But don't promise a set of functionality. Yeah. Promise a delivery date. Exactly. That's, that's another point. The other point will be find a product owner. That's a very hard thing to mm -hmm. do. But uh, one of the problems usually on traditional projects is that there are lots of people, lots of stakeholders, and they are coming disorganized, talking to developers, pushing developers to doing stuff for them, you know, do that, this is really important, and mm -hmm. we won't tell the manager, let him sleep, stuff like that. Try to uh, kind of channel all that through a single point of contact, through a future product owner. He might uh, not know that he is a product owner, but try to do that. One other point is not scare everyone around with all the terminology and yes. talking about sprints and scrum and all that names, because that might scare people off. Just tell them we'll release more frequently, or the release dates will be predictable from now on. That is putting people at ease, uh, because remember that Agile is not about the names and labels, it's about practicing those, those things, that they can be named whatever, whatever you want. And those two elements, uh, those two very basic elements, having a single product owner and having time box iterations, work together very nicely, because if you, if you certainly are going to have a lot of stakeholders and they're going to be making demands. Even if you have only one product owner, they're going to be making demands. But time box iterations and short time box iterations means that you have an answer to these demands added to the backlog, added to the backlog. Yeah. It'll be considered in the next sprint. And if the next sprint is only two weeks or three weeks away, then that's not that bad. Most anybody can wait yeah. two weeks rather than interrupting the team. They get into the habit of making those immediate, urgent requests to developers because they think that if they don't, it'll be years before they ever see it. So to put it more scientifically, it's much easier to defend the process then because you can always tell someone who is trying to disrupt it, see, I mean, I think you can wait two weeks. I mean, it, it's reason, it is unreasonable to expect us to throw everything aside uh, because of your request. You could have foreseen with a two or three weeks uh, perspective and everyone, almost everyone will be uh, agreeing with that. So it's much easier to define your iterations. That would be the first thing to do. Uh, and another thing to introduce will be, of course, to uh, kind of train your developers that done means done and introduce a definition of done. That's a very important thing. So that everyone is on the same page when it comes to saying that something is completed. And another thing you, have, you could benefit from immensely is daily stand-ups. Mm -hmm. Even if they are not formally called daily scrums and they are not following the scrum procedure, they are still very beneficial. I and that's an easy thing yeah. to implement. Very easy. Three questions. Yes. Just get, get all of the, the developers and the testers, the core people who are actually contributing to the project, and ask them each three questions. Exactly. Which are? What did you do yesterday? What are you going to do today? And do you have any problems? Very simple. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that, that, that very basic practice could be introduced to any teams, not only development teams, 
I have been once on a team uh, that was running a company that was uh, had branches in different countries, and those people rarely talked to each other. They were emailing each other and meeting only once a month. No wonder it didn't work so well. Would they have uh, this practice of talking to on the phone to each other in a conference every day and answering those very simple basic questions, they would have been much better off. Even though they were not developers, they didn't have anything to do with software. So I think this basic practice would help everyone very much. But a, a, a few guidelines for doing that are, number one, time box your everything. meetings. Time box everything. But time box these meetings um, because if you don't, they can go on and on and on. And this is one of the most difficult aspects of conducting uh, a scrum meeting is training people, especially early on, to stick to the agenda um, because it's, it takes a delicate touch to recognize when somebody is going beyond addressing a question or when there's an issue that's come up that needs to be addressed by only two people in the meeting but not everybody on the team. It's very easy for a scrum, to, scrum meeting or one of these stand-up meetings to get out of control and turn into a discussion of some particular point. And so it, it, it becomes the responsibility of the person conducting the meeting to identify when that's happening and say, okay, this sounds like something that you two are going to have to discuss further. And so why don't you do that immediately after the meeting? Which is, by the way, why there are stand-up meetings, because when people are standing up, they are not as comfortable than when they are sitting down as we are doing as we are now, which means the meetings tend to be shorter because yes. everyone, after some time, just thinks about getting back to their chair, which is good. And the other thing is if you're going to do daily meetings, do them at the exact same time every day and make sure that they start on time. And the reason that this is important is because if you don't know when you're going to have an interruption, especially if you're, you're a knowledge worker, you're in, involved in doing something that requires concentration, and you don't know interrupt, when interruptions are going to come up, you can't be nearly as, as efficient. And some people are going to be interrupted in the middle of, of trying to solve some complicated problem. But if the interruption comes at a predictable time and you know that at exactly 12 o'clock I'm going to have a 15-minute meeting, everybody can pace their, themselves in such a way to be available at that time. Another reason for doing that at the same time is introducing certain rhythm and discipline to the team and to everyone involved. And keeping that rhythm is very, is very important. So basically our advice is, uh, if you are considering going Agile, uh, and I think many of you are by now, because Agile is being touted as the next big thing and it's mainstream now and everything, of course read some books, of course go to trainings if you can afford them, but first start doing the very basic practices that you can introduce practically immediately, and only then go uh, and hire a coach or whatever, because you will benefit much more and you will be much better off doing it than not doing it and just reading about it. Indeed. Okay. okay. Great advice. Till next time. Till next time. Thank you.